Blog Talk Radio. Life's problems to make break a terror heart support. On Reconnect My Heart, we discuss God's answers to life's problems to reconnect our hearts back to the way He originally made us. I'm your host, Brother Prater. I'm so glad you're able to join us. If you have any questions, comments, if you just want to listen to the show, feel free to call me at 516 453 9118. That's 516 453 9118. Or you can listen online at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash reconnect my heart. Or you can go into our chat room, it is available on our website. You can send your questions, comments, or your prayer requests. Also, for those who are on social media, you can catch me at Brother Prater. Excuse me, you can catch me at reconnect my heart. ReconnectMyHeart.com, as well as we're on Facebook under Brother Prater, Facebook, and also as YouTube. I would like to say hello to each and every one. I hope and pray that you all had a great day. And without further moment ado, today we're going to have a very special guest, a young man that 
Um, I've known practically all my life. He's been on the show a couple of times, and unfortunately, we don't have the audio. We don't have him on uh, video. I'm sorry. We don't have him on video, but we do have him on the phone, and I'm telling you, uh, God has blessed this young man with a wealth of wisdom and knowledge, and uh, we are honored to have him with us on today. On today, we're going to hear from him. He's going to give us a biblical understanding of what happens after you die. Uh, what is death? Uh, what death really is? We're going to talk about that and so much more in the episode called Life After This. So without further moment ado, we're going to have our very own Mr. I call him Dr. But Dr. Landolph Washington, I'm going to make sure that he's on here for everyone to hear. All right. How you doing today, sir? I'm well. Thanks for asking. How are you? Doing good, doing good, doing good. Um, I'm honored for you to be here. And um, like I said, uh, I appreciate you. And unfortunately, unfortunately, people won't be able to see you, but I promise you they'll be able to hear you. So just um, however the Lord leave things upon your heart, by all means, have at it. Hey, thank you. Thank you. First, give it unto God, our Father, and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We do count this as a blessing and a privilege and honor to be on the show uh, tonight and uh, give it honor to my pastor, Pastor Otis Logan, and to his wife, Sister Ollie Logan. Uh, we say greeting to each and every one of you. And uh, we have a lot of material to try to cover here uh, tonight. And our main purpose is to bring clarity. Uh, we have always had death around us. Uh, we've all lost loved ones. But with this pandemic, we see so many people leave us. And a lot of times when you see it on television, we experience it in person. Uh, it is uh, hurting. And uh, uh, it really causes you to have compassion for people. Uh, when they are going through this. And most times with a lot of us when we go through this, there are always certain questions that are always being asked. And so we hope to tonight to try to clarify and bring some clarity to uh, the viewers here tonight to help them to understand. First of all, you mentioned about death and what is death. Death simply means separation. Now, there's the death, which is separation from the physical body, and then there's death, which is separation from God. And so tonight what we're going to talk about, the death separation or the separations from the physical body and to understand what happens. Now, we know that the Bible teaches us that Man is in three parts. He has the body, which is the physical. He has the soul, which is the Greek word psychic. And then he has a spirit, which the Greek word is pneuma. Okay? But we'll understand that all uh, in a little bit. Okay? Now, first of all, let's understand that the body will eventually 
be changed. But before we get to that, the change of the body and everything we're going to do, we're going to support it by Scripture. And we're going to be willing to take any questions that you have uh, to help you to understand if there's any question that you have concerning this. Uh, before we can uh, get to the change in the body, we have to understand that the world culture or the the this world in which we live and a lot of people think and we see so much in our communities that every time we look around, there's shooting, there's killings, and for a lot of those people who are like that in the world, and they'll think, they think that once they kill a person, that's the end of them. But Scripture teaches us that this is not the end. Uh, what happens is you have caused the person to separate from their body, but this is not the end. But our focus will not be on those who are not saved. We'll be focusing on those who are saved. And even those that are not saved, we will understand also is this. The soul and the spirit are immortal. They don't die. They don't cease. As separation from the body, it doesn't end there. Uh, they continue to live on. Let's look at the immortal, immortality of the soul and the spirit. The Bible is very clear that the inner man made up of the soul and spirit is now immortal and will continue in the state of consciousness between death and resurrection and forever after the resurrection of the dead. See, they never, the spirit and the soul never lose consciousness. Most times some of us think that when we go to the funeral home or we look at a person in the casket, we think, okay, that's the end of their existence. No. Uh, I'd like to also use the term of say that this was just the house that they lived in. They no longer reside, reside in that particular house. Now, First Peter 4 and 6 tells us that the apostle states that all the dead live according to God in the spirit, Prove that the inner man of everybody continues in consciousness like God. Now, if man after death continues to live according to God in their spirit, then they continue to be conscious like God. David said of Christ, for the will, for thou wilt not leave my soul in the hell, neither will thy suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Psalm 16, number verse 9 and 10. We know that the soul and the spirit of Christ was alive and conscious while his body was in the grave. Christ's souls went into the lower part and into the heart of the earth, according to Matthew 12 and verse 40, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11. And his body was put in the grave on the surface of the earth, according to Matthew 27, Verses 57 through 6. Now, this grave was not in the center and in the lower part of the earth. David said in the 22nd number of Psalms, verse 26, that the heart of the saved should live forever. The word for heart in this passage is used many times of the feelings, the will, 
and the mind, and it refers to the inner man in this case. Now, Scripture also tells us that James 2 and 26 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 9, proves that the inner man leaves the body at physical death and goes to go to be with the Lord, who is not the God of the dead, the physical body, according to James 2 and 26 again, but of the living, according to Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 33. Now, Paul speaks of the outward man only as perishing and the inner man being renewed day by day. Now, when we when the scripture says that the inner man is being renewed day by day, in other words, what he's saying is it's getting healthier and healthier every day. So to help you to understand is we see a reversal here. We see that the very moment you come, you don't start living, no, you start dying. Now, as we accept Christ as our personal Savior, what happens through the Spirit, through studying God's Word, living according to God's command, that even as our outer man, the body, perish due because of sickness, because of some disease, because of some handicap, the inward man is going through the reverse process. It is getting healthier and healthier every day. Now, that, uh, and that's the things that are seen, including the body or temporal, and the things that are not seen, including the soul and spirit, are eternal. Again, as we find in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. This shows the difference between the outer man and the inner man, and that one is temporary and the other is eternal. So the outward man, who we put a lot of time in and dressing it up, trying to do things to keep it looking young, is temporal, and no matter what we do to it, we can't stop that process. But that inner man is eternal. Now, the next thing we want to look at as we build up to the change in the body, only the body dies and sleeps in the dust until the resurrection. Your soul, your spirit doesn't die. Okay? Only the body is separated. The physical death is the separation of the inner man from the outer man. Once again, according to James 2 and 26, the body then is spoken of as going back to the dust again as being asleep. According to Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, Matthew chapter 9, verse 24, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 30, chapter 15, verse 6, verse 18, verse 20, and verse 51. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. Now, the spirit of a righteous man goes to heaven, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 9, Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 through 23, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, and Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Now, on the other hand, the spirit of the wicked man goes to hell, according to Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 9 through 15. Proverbs 15 and 24. Now, let's look at the third thing. Souls are conscious, proving their immortality. First, let's look at Matthew chapter 17 and verse 3. 
Those who appeared with Christ wearing clothes, talking with Christ, and being recognized by the disciples as the one who gave the law. Secondly, the story of the rich man and Lazarus proved the consciousness of soul after death, according to Luke chapter 16, verse 22 through 25. And for those of us who have read and know the story or this parable, we see that Lazarus died and he was found in the bosom of Abraham. The rich man died and his eyes, he was lifted up in hell. And so he was being tormented in hell. He looks over across the gulf, and he could see Lazarus. That shows us what? Consciousness. Also, in the story, goes on to tell, he asked if only Lazarus could take his finger and dip in the water, cool his tongue. And that was not permitted. So he asked quest, which was a prayer. Once he was in hell, he asked if, one from the dead could go back and warn his brothers. And Jesus tells in this story, once again, he denied his prayer request. He said they have the laws and the prophets. If they don't hear them, then they will hear one who comes from the dead. So that is proof that they never lose consciousness. So when you see a body in a casket, don't think that's all that is at the end of the existence. No, it's not. They are spirit and soul have left their body, but they are conscious. They are very aware of wherever they are at that time. Fourth thing is the spirit and soul are not the breath, but they are distinguished in Scripture. Uh, uh, when we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7, in there it speaks of the body goes back to the ground from which it comes because that's all it is. It's just dust. When the spirit and soul separate from the body, all it is is just a hunk of clay. And it goes back to the ground where it decay and become the dust from which it, the body was formed. It goes to be with God. The soul goes, now let's look at the difference between spirit and soul here in that particular passage of Scripture. Spirit is the word, the Greek word for pneuma, which means wind. In other words, we see in Genesis chapter 2 where it says, God breathed into the nostril of man, and man became a living soul or being. Depends on translation of the Bible, okay? And so that breath. That's what leaves the, the body of a man, the breath that God gave us. Once again, what do we see? If you're catching it, we're seeing reversal. God gave breath. God took man from the ground when the spirit of man, who he really is, that inner man, who we're talking about at that point, because you have to understand the word spirit is interchangeable, depends on the passage of scripture is being used in. It goes to be with God. Body goes to be in the ground. And so, but when we speak of, once again, spirit here, we're just only talking about the breath. We're talking only about the breath which you breathe in the oxygen here in that passage of Scripture. And so, therefore, that goes to God because why? God gave it to him in the beginning. 
God receives it back. So we see a reversal, okay? And that's what we mean when we go back, talk about the inward man is being renewed day by day. The outer man, when he's born, it comes as a, a baby, a newborn baby, soft skin, smooth skin. And as we get older, the longer we hear, it begins to decay. We know we're dust. How do we know we're dust? Because when we shower or bathe, we see the residue in our tubs and showers, dust. And he says, from dust thou came and dust thou art, you're going to return to that. And so that's what we have to understand. So it's only here when he's speaking that passage of Scripture, it is the breath that you're breathing. It goes back to God. Now, fifthly, let's look at this. The soul of the wicked, and this is something we're going to talk about this, the soul of the wicked man as physical death goes into hell or torment. We found that with the story with Lazarus, what? The rich man, he lifted up in his eyes in hell, and he was being, what? He was being tormented. Part of the underworld of the departed spirits and are in a conscious state or torment until the end of the millennial when their bodies will be resurrected and they will come out of hell to enter the bodies, be judged, and cast into the lake of fire forever, according to Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 31, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. So see, they will be resurrected with their bodies, but only they will be cast into the lake of fire where they will be tormented throughout eternity. Their torment will never, ever end. And so let us understand that according to Scripture. Now, let's take a little break right there, okay? If anybody has any questions on that, we'll give you an opportunity to uh, ask those questions, uh, and then we'll try to entertain just a couple of them, and then we'll move on. Do we have any questions on that, Brother Jim? Oh, I'm going to uh, see if I can go on the line right quick to find out if anyone okay. has any questions. Okay. Hello. Welcome to Reconnect My Heart. You're on the air with uh, Brother Landolph Washington. Do you have any questions so far? Hello, you there? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go to the next person. Okay, we'll do two. Okay. Okay. Okay, hello. How are you doing today? You there? Hey, this is Brother Sam. Yeah, this is Brother Sam. Am I on? Yeah, yes, you're on. You're on. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, hey, just been enjoying the show so far. Um, um, just chimed in. Only question is... Uh, if land can go into a little bit more detail on the oxygen going back to God, that's I kind of heard bits and pieces of that. Um, if you could go in more detail about that. Okay. okay. Yes. When speaking of the spirit, that it's talking about the air that you breathe, which is in the cells of your blood cells that causes you to be able to put air in your lungs, and cause you to have function within your body. That right there okay. is finding Genesis 
God breathed into man's nostrils, right? And he became a living being or soul. So depends on your translation. Now, at okay. death, the creation for the body, God just received that back, okay? And so okay. that's what we'll talk about there. And the, the Greek word for it is, uh, is pneuma, which means wind, okay? All right. Got it. Cool. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. So okay. now let's move on. Okay. Okay. Let's move on now to the proof of the future mortality of the body. See, because a lot of times we, all we have there in the casket is just the remain. That's why a lot of times it says remain, okay, of the individual. And we have to understand why we have breath in our bodies. This is not us. I know when we look in the mirror, we look at it and we say, this is me. This is how I look. And but we have to understand that is not the real us right now, okay? That is only a reflection of who we are. And when we get over further, we're really gonna find out who we are, okay? We're gonna really do. But we're gonna right now give some proof from the Bible, the future mortality of the body. Even though it decays, tells us there is a future for our bodies. Now, one natural law demands immortality of the Bible. Now, that's natural law. In the natural, there are literally hundreds of thousands of creation that prophecy proclaims a, as a resurrection and a future life. Paul says that the invisible things of, of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse, Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. I was reading the other day what Jesus was telling them, say, they see and don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. And I found this so amazing when I look at that and I'm telling this right here is really, really going to make some of you smile. It's going to make you say, wow. Why Paul says, according to Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, nobody will have an excuse. And I hear people all the time say, well, what if they never heard the gospel? No excuse. Because nature itself tells us who God is. Uh I do grief ministry, and I just recently came back from home. My sister, uh, God's sister, her son, deceased at 41 years old. And so we was in the same home, and I told her this. First of all, I asked her something, then I told her something. I asked her, and I'm asking you the same question. I asked her, when you look at a window, what do you see? Most of you would say what? A window. All of them may see a little father. They say, well, I see the window is dirty. I see specks on it, and it needs to be clean. I told my sister, then you're not seeing. You probably say, what do you mean you're not, I'm not seeing? I 
see this glass window. I see dirt in it. Or I see specks or something in it or raindrops or something in it that is dry. And that's what I see. Well, I see more than that. See, when I look at the window, window, I see God's nature. I, I see God's glory. I see God's beauty. I see God's love. And I see God's compassion. And so, let's look at what Paul is telling us according to Romans chapter 1, verse 20. If the invisible things are clearly seen by the visible things, see, that's what he's saying. See, that's why when I look out the window, I see, I see God. So, the invisible things are really seen by the visible things. This means that the immortality and the invisible life are clearly illustrated in nature. Watch this. In the fall, nature seems to die and pass through the grave of winter. Wouldn't you agree? Nature is not dead. She only sleeps until the resurrection in the spring when nearly 100,000 plants rise again from growing seeds. These seeds contain the doctrine of the resurrection and future life, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 through 58. In the resurrection of seed, every reproduction, each seed uh, reproduces after its own time. A seed may be for thousands of years and never be reproduced. You, you can set it out and let it sit there for a thousand years, and it will never reproduce. It may be more beyond recognition. But if sown, it will, in its resurrection, reproduce perfect grain, just like the one that is sown and died. Paul says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Once again, First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 to 58. No seed reproduced or is resurrected to bring forth fruit until it dies. John chapter 12, verse 24. See, we have to go through what we often talk about in our Sunday school class. We often talking about what? Process. In order for us to receive this eternal life, experience this eternal life in our bodies, it has to go through a process. And that process is death. Our body then becomes like a Seed. It is planted in the ground. And when it's planted in the ground, it produces. The thing I told my sister was that even though we will place a needle in the ground, a garden will grow from it. There's a movie I recommended her, or I asked her if she had seen, called The Shack. And she says, oh, yes, I saw the movie. I said, what happened when they planted the little girl in the ground? She said, this plant, this flower started pushing up. And she said, and it turned into a tree. And it began to bloom, and everything around it was flower planted around it. 
because the body of the child had become a seed. And so likewise, our bodies are seeds. Second, spiritual law proves immortality of the body. The soul and spirit are the part of man which know reasons and make one conscious of the things about him. By the faculties of the soul and spirit, man knows there is immortality. So law of nature proves immortality of the body. Spiritual law proves immortality of the Bible. Third, the brevity of life demands immortality of the Bible. See, life is so brief. It's very short. And the development of the capacity with which man is endowed, our works cannot be more eternal than than our be eternal than our heirs of our works. In other words, the brevity of life demands that man live again and to corresponding with his own created makeup. You see, we have to understand is that there's something about man that wants to constantly live in his body. And the only way that that can be accomplished is that the body has to become immortal. Our body right now is frail. It is fragile. It is sustainable. I don't care how we dress it up, how we make it up. I don't care how much Botox we put on our face. I don't care how many facelifts we have. It's not going to sustain itself because it's only temporarily. And so life is brief. And because of the briefness of life, man's desire to live longer. For man, greatness demands immortality of the Bible. You know, elephants live for hundreds of years. Trees live thousands of years. Another part of creation, Lord than man, exists externally. So we accuse God of creating and running a world out of balance? Should we accuse him of creating the highest type of creation to live less than the Lord? This would be a blunder and a moral atrocity. It would condemn the creator and insult man. This cannot be. There must be another life for all men. Man must live forever because of his greatness, according to 1 Corinthians chapter, 9, chapter 15, verse 19 through 23, John chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, and John chapter 14 and verse 19. Man would have lived forever if he had not sinned. Fifth, the universe is human desire demand the mortality of the Bible. Desire for future life is in every man, and it must be satisfied. We see God gives us water for thirst, food for hunger, plans for social nature, homes for homesickness. Right there, the universal law requires that man become immortal. His body become immortal. Six, the universe and nature desire to worship true immortality of the Bible. Man always, there's something about man that causes him to worship. 
and have him desire to worship. Seventh man constitution demanding mortality of the Bible. Man was created to live forever in body, soul, and spirit. Once again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35 to 58. Support and tells us all this. Okay. We'll take another break for questions for those things that we've just talked about. Because now we're going to move into the change of the body. Because now we see all these laws that requires the immortality of the body of man. Brother Jim, we'll take two, three more questions, okay, on that. You can continue. You can continue. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's do it. Now, let's look at our physical body in the future. Now, there are four changes that will happen based upon Scripture. The first one has to do with the activities of the body and of the person who possesses it. The second one has to do with it being incorrupted. The third, the composition of it. The fourth, the need no clothing for a couple. Now, let's look at this first one has to do with the activities of the body and of the person who possesses it. Once again, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44, present body as constitute is a natural body and the future body a spiritual one. Let's look at two things here. One, as a natural, it is that part of man that knows reason, will, desire, and feelings. It refers to the will, the emotion, and the reason. The second part of that is the spiritual. With the physical body, man has world consciousness, soul, self-consciousness. The spirit, he has God's consciousness. The spiritual man has to do with the things of God. Now let's look at this second change an incorruptible one. In other words, our body now will become incorruptible. Thus, an immortal one. Okay, once again, we find all of this winded out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 53 in this instance. The present body has death in it, disease, decay. It becomes tired and exhausted. It may have deformities. Part of it may have been taken away through an accident or an operation. The future physical body will have no definite, no weakness, deformity, disease. The part that has been removed will be restored. I'll have people ask me, how is this so? They want to know about people who have been cremated or people who have blown up in explosions. He says, well, what about those people? They don't have a body anymore. So how then is God is going to do that? Well, as I said here, our new bodies will become incorruptible ones. Well, if God, God can speak, speak and cause the universe to become in existence, and if God could speak, and that was made of nothing, God can speak, and just speaking, he can create an earth. 
He can create the lower part. He can produce the sky, which is one heaven. He can produce space, another heaven. Do you not think that God can pull all those body parts back together in the resurrection? See, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to be concerned if our loved ones are burnt up or dying in an explosion or if they are cremated. We don't have to concern ourselves with that because God is going to break everything together. Those who have lost limbs, they'll be replaced. Those who have lost kidneys, other organs, they'll be replaced. It'll be better than the ones that was taken out of our bodies. And so, therefore, that's why we see, according to First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53, that there will be no disease in it. There will be no deformities. There will be nothing there that contaminate that body because it will be a body that is an immortal body. Now, what do we mean by composition? We're talking about the nature of something. This present body is made of flesh, blood, and bones. Life principle is the blood. Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11. What do we mean by life principle? The law of life that governs our bodies now is that the blood that runs through our, the veins of our bodies, that is pumped through the arteries, this will sustain life in us. How do we know that? If we start bleeding out, scientifically, medically, it says that we are dying. That's why they try to stop the bleeding as fast as possible. The body will be devoid of blood in the future, according to Philippians 3 and 21, and we see in Luke chapter 24, verse 39. Let me just help you there. In Luke 24 and verse 39, we see Jesus. He appeared unto his disciples, and there we find and see the composition of the body of Jesus. A, let's look at this. Our Lord's body is a solid physical body. When he came through that wall and appeared then, it was a physical solid body. B, made of flesh and bone. The same we have today, but changed as to composition. See, Jesus had the same body, but the difference with this body was it had no blood. It was flesh and bone. See here, as I said, without blood, our future body will have a new life principle in them. What will govern the existence of life in them will be a new principle, okay, a new life principle. D or fourth will be able to go through stone walls of buildings, will have new powers of locomotion. So in Luke chapter 24, verse 39, we see that all this 
was the makeup of Jesus' body. We sing a song in church sometimes says, I'll be like him someday if I don't yield within my heart. So what does Jesus' body look like? Luke 24 and 39 gives us the perfect picture of it. It will have no blood. It will be the same bodies that we have now, but a new life principle. And we're going to look at that in our next fourth change of the Bible. So same body, but it's going to be different. Flesh and bones, no blood. Maybe you may be thinking, says, well, how is that possible? We have to understand in the kingdom, we can't have blood. But because kingdom living and kingdom existence does not survive off of blood. We know Jesus didn't have any blood in his body because when he was pierced by the Roman soldiers, it drained all the blood out of his body. And so, therefore, there was no blood in him. There's no blood will be in our bodies. Our locomotion will change. We'll have the abilities to penetrate through walls. And so, we don't have to worry about, even if you had strokes or whatever, you have to understand that all that will be gone from your body. I like to say it like this here. I want you to think about the time in your life you felt that you looked the best that you ever looked. And if you can think about that, then I would love for you to multiply that by a thousand times because our skins will be smooth. Our skins would be smooth like that newborn baby. There will be no wrinkles. No, there will be no wrinkles at all in our faces. There will be no need for eyeglasses. There will be no need for hearing aids. There will be no need for hard uh, 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 monitors. None of these type of things because our new body will have a change of its composition. Also notice this. Verse 24 and 39 tells us this here. Jesus even told us that, well, also let's go to uh, John. When was there the second time Jesus showed up? He says, well, he, I didn't know that Jesus had came to them. And for identity purpose, Jesus told me, said, Look at my hands, my side. You can take your fist and punch through the hole. So the question is, and some people says, will I be able to recognize my loved one when I get to heaven? Yeah, you will recognize them, but there's going to be a change. You say, well, what about, what do you mean a change? 
The preachers then all told me that me and my family, we're going to all get together when we get to heaven. And we're going to go down and sit down on the banks of the river. And oh, what a time, what a time, what a time we're going to have. Okay, so let's look at that. Let's examine that. Is we'll just me and my family get together. Just my family only. That being the true case of the situation in which we will find ourselves in that day and in that time when we get to heaven. Well, according to Matthew 22 and verse 30, and according to Luke chapter 20, verse 28 through 36, for those that don't know it and those that who do, those who have Bibles at hand, or have your phones nearby, you can look it up, and I will tell you basically what it says. Once again, they were trying to trap Jesus. So they asked Jesus, says, a man marries and he dies. He has no children. Next brother, according to the liberated law, he had to marry, she had to marry the next brother. He dies, they have no children. But it goes all the way to the seventh brother. And they ask Jesus, says, in the kingdom, who wise would she be? Jesus responds, he basically tells, there will be none given in marriage or none taken in marriage. He said they all will be like the angels. Why is that so? Because Jesus said we will be all be God's children because there will be no need for procreation in the kingdom. There will be no reproduction. So then our relationship then will be as a part of a borrow or sown the mighty cloud of joy which back in the years, Gospel Quartet was saying, This is only a rehearsal. See, this is rehearsal of what we will call each other at that time. What did we in the church call each other? We call them brothers and sisters. That's our relationship in the kingdom, brothers and sisters. Romans chapter 7 tells us also is that when a man and woman is married, and we could say either one of the spouse dies. Paul tells us that relationship ends. And so likewise, when we leave this earth to win, our soul leaves our bodies. What happens then is we're separated from all relationship that was here on earth. And now we enter into a new relationship. We don't have those same relationships in the kingdom that we have here on earth. Will we recognize each other? Yes, we will. Because by Jesus having 
promised to do that, that was for identification, the recognition. We would know each other, but not the relationships that we have here on earth. Let's look at this fourth change that we would experience. No need for clothing for covering. You know, genesis, if you don't know the meaning of the word genesis, genesis means beginning. And so this will hopefully will help you understand why Adam and Eve did not recognize that they were naked. Once again, we'll see how nature comes into play. Have a covering produced from within. That's why they won't have need of clothing, because our covering will be produced from within us. Jesus' body after the resurrection was not covered with clothing. The only clothes he had at the time of his death were taken away from him. His grave clothing he left in the sepulchre of Joseph. He emerged through the stone walls of the resurrection tomb, clad in a new covering from his body that was produced from within. In Philippians 3 and 21, the Greek, Paul uses the translation fashion. It is morphic, which referred to an outward expression, which is not put on from without, but one that comes from within, and which is a true representative of one's inner nature, in the case of our Lord, was a glorious covering, an entwinement or wrapping of glory, which covers his resurrection body. On the Mount of Transfiguration, our Lord's clothing shone with a radiance that came from within. It's always been God's plan for his creatures to cover themselves with a covering produced from within. Adam and Eve covered their bodies within an enswapment or wrapped in the glory of which had produced from within their beings. When they sinned, they lost the power to produce such a covering from within. You see, that's how they, were, they didn't know they were naked because their true representative of who they were in the garden provided their covering. In the resurrection, when our body is resurrected and our soul and spirit is reunited with it, the true us, the spirit man that is within each one of us, now will shine forth within our spiritual man, our physical bodies, our new physical body, our resurrected body, and therefore there will be no need for clothing because of who our, what our true representative is. So cover their naked body, which now had sanded and death in them. They made clothing for themselves. Watch this here. I told you about nature once again would help us to understand that. How many of you ever seen a bird? How many of you ever seen a dog or a cat? A rabbit, a deer, bears, clothing. Where do their clothing come from? You see, through nature, God shows us this same thing, that each one of those animals 
that I call their feathers or their hair was produced from where? Within them. And therefore, it shows you their nature, their beauty. But God, and that's how God had always intended for man to be, reflect who he really is shine forth through his body. And so animals cover themselves with fur, which is produced from within. Thus, in the life to come, believers will cover their bodies with an enswapment of glory, a light covering which will be produced from within. See, when we talk about being spiritual beings, we have to understand God always intended man to be in three parts, body, soul, man, will shine forth through his body, therefore giving him his covering, and therefore he will not know that he's naked. Because why? His covering. See, some people think that Adam and Eve had this light that was shining over them and they couldn't couldn't see that they were naked. Uh Uh-uh. It was who they were in the garden. Their true nature was shining forth. And so with our resurrected body, it's going to go back to how God always intended in Genesis, the beginning. See, if we truly understand the resurrection, all the resurrection is doing is what? Taking us back to where God has always intended for us to be, body, soul, and spirit. The body without any contamination, without any disease, without any deformities, but because of sin, we lost the covenant. And so what God does in the resurrection, in the kingdom, he now brings everything back the way he had always intended it to be. Genesis tells us everything and how God has always planned it for man. But it got interrupted as I stated, by sin. And you have to understand, God is not and God will never let the devil outdo him. Satan had his opportunity. He gave it up. And so therefore, he has done and has tried to do everything he could. So God will, with his people, he will bring them back to that stage that he has always intended for man to have. And so whatever you may be going through in your bodies right now, we can celebrate and we can praise God that there is a day that is coming where we will no longer have to experience sorrow, death, sickness, disease, disappointment, frustration, being tired, being weary. No, we'll have a new body. One that will be sustainable in the new kingdom that will be set up here on earth. And so we rejoice, we say praise to God for his love, for his compassion, for his wisdom, and for his knowledge. 
he can do all these things. And so we say, praise the Lord. And Brother Jim. Okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. What I'm gonna do uh, before we go on, before we uh, go to the phone lines for questions, mm-hmm. what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna uh, throw some questions out to you before okay. we go um, to the other people. Um, first, you mentioned about uh, cremation. Now, mm-hmm. is cremation a sin? Okay, is cremation a sin? What does the scripture say about that? Okay, let's look at some that the scripture tells us. In Job 34, verse 14 and 15, we hear it often at the grave. Dust to dust and ashes to ashes. Job reiterates the final disposition of the body in this passage of scripture. So we see that here, Job talked about it in Psalms 103, verse 15 through 17. It's a Bible passage that gives us a great perspective on cremation or on any other burial practice. So as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the seed. The wind blows over it, and it is gone. And its place remembered is no more. But for everlasting and everlasting, the Lord love is with those who fears him, and his righteousness with their children's children, according to Mark 13 and 27. And he will send the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. See, the Bible also mentioned that faithful individuals, the remains of the dead, for example, King Saul and his three sons, who was killed in battle, their course initially remained in enemy territory and were treated dishonorably. Hearing the situation, faithful Israelite warrior retrieved the bodies of Saul and his sons, burned them, and buried the remains. According to 1 Samuel 31, verse 8 through 13, the Bible indicates that this was an accepted way to treat the remains of those men according to 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 6. Those are the scriptures that deals with that. But see, a lot of people says, well, it, it, it can't be God's will because if you burn the ashes, as I stated earlier, there's no body. So I hear in their speeches that they put a limitation on God. As I stated, stated earlier, if God can speak into nothing and create the earth, and the heavens around it, then God can speak, as he says, to the four winds. Also, watch this here. There are a lot of men in the Navy in World War II were killed and burnt up in the explosion at Pearl Harbor and out in the Pacific and all these places. Their remains could not be found. People blew it up in the airplane explosion. Could not be found. You see, God can speak and bring those ashes back into a body. So those scriptures there it gives us some indication on cremation. Okay. 
Okay. And so they can go look them up and read them and research them. Okay. Okay. Um, another one. Now, those who have lost close loved ones, a lot of times they try to um, uh, celebrate them or honor them by placing tattoos, uh, tattoos mm-hmm. or um, their names of their uh, loved one. Uh, is there anything wrong with placing some type of tattoo or some type of uh, uh, tribute to the one that even if those that they love that are no longer with us, if they were saved, if they were Christians, uh, like I said, if there's anything wrong with some type of tattooing or uh, uh, tribute that we pay to our deceased loved one? Well, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, uh, it's in Leviticus, uh, it tells us that we're not to mark, we're not to cut our bodies. So why was this so? Because you have to understand, when they were down in Egypt, and then when they came into Cana, into the promised land, the people of these lands, they performed these ritual practices for the loss of loved ones, they would engrave into their bodies, or they would cut their bodies. And so Leviticus tells us that we, as God's people, should not do these things. Now, I know there are some Christians that have them, and they have, some of them has done it out of lack of knowledge and understanding that the Scripture speaks against these things. Some says, well, I have a tattoo now. Okay, I, I get it out of not knowing. Or some says, hey, I, I get it because this is the culture. This is the fan. Uh, this is what millennials do. Well, if you have done it, whether out of lack of knowledge or intentionally, you have to, what you can do is you can repent. God to forgive you if you did it intentionally, rebellious or lacking of knowledge. And so you can ask God for forgiveness. God will forgive you. You accept God's forgiveness, and you move on. Because some of them, they can be removed. And if you can afford to get it removed or pay to get it removed, then uh, you can get it removed. And so the Scripture doesn't tells us that this is something that uh, – we should not do as God's people, okay? Okay, okay no, what I'm going to do um, on two of the questions, I'm going to combine them, and then I'm going uh, to go on the line. Um, how do you handle unresolved issues or conflict with the person that is now deceased and then also pertaining to dealing with regret pertaining to their loss uh, because of the loss of loved ones. Some people may feel that they were responsible. Um, Sometimes we beat ourselves up because we felt like we could have done something or even just um, someone's death that we know or that we love. Some way we may feel that, well, if I had been there, maybe things would have been different. So 
So how do you deal with that the, uh, regret, uh, uh, unresolved issue that you may have had with the person, and then also dealing with uh, regret or dealing with or just coping with the death of that loved one? Okay. If the person has deceased, then you can't and make it right with that person. So once again, you have to go to God and ask God to forgive you for what you, whatever the situation was between you and that person whatever the disagreements or or whatever it was, whatever action that you took was wrong towards them. You have to go to God, ask God to forgive you, and acknowledge to God there's no way that you can go now and apologize to them. And so once again, God is loving. He's faithful. He will forgive. And you have to accept God's forgiveness and then forgive yourself. Uh, Likewise, Pertain to if maybe you felt that you may be have been the cause, whatever. Uh, once again, same thing. You can one part of death uh, of grief. One part of grief is guilt, and the enemy would take that guilt and rather than let you go to God. It will drive you away from God. So in those instances, case, we say where there's grief is go before God, acknowledge, confess to God the guilt of whatever it is that transpired between, that may have transpired, that may have resulted in the person being deceased, accept God's forgiveness, forgive yourself, and then move on with your life in the grace that God has given you. And I know some people will say, well, that is not easy. No, within your own strength, it is not easy. The Bible tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not yours. Because in your might, your strength, it can't be accomplished because the guilt will fester. The guilt would get more stronger. And then what that would do is lead to alcoholism, drug addiction, or any other type of addiction. Try to appease that guilt. The Bible says, tells us that only Jesus can wash away our sins. And so every time the enemy tries to bring it back up, you have to let him know, I'm forgiven. So that's what we mean is that you have to move forward with your life lived within the newness that God has given you in that particular area. Because let me say this again, I can't stress this enough. Either one of those, you cannot do them within your own strength. You don't have the ability, but we can do it in the strength and the power, the might of the Lord. And remember what Paul also said, as he says that we can accomplish these things 
through Christ Jesus, who gives us the ability. Okay? All right? Okay, I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to put the the questions or statements I have on hold. Now I'm going to go to the phone line. Someone? Hello, hello. Welcome to Rick Nabahad. You're on the air with Brother Landolf Washington. How are you doing today? I am blessed. How are you all? Doing great. Doing great. Doing great. Thank you. Uh, I have, have no any... questions. Just... No question. No, I have no questions. Just enjoying and listening and receiving a lot of knowledge for tonight. Uh, you too, huh? Like you too. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you. Appreciate you. And thank you for your support and love. Okay. Always. Okay, we'll go to the next one. Okay, welcome to Rick Name Heart. Podcast. You're on the air, Brother Landolf Washington. Hello, are you there? Is this, um, I'm on June. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, yeah. I'm kind of like the last caller, just just listening in, appreciating you guys, um, and just keep on um, doing what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Um, just learning a lot and listening. Um, uh, just taking it all in. Okay. 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 All right, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, and thank you for your support. Oh no, okay. thank you, Sam. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, what um, a couple of things I was going to uh, share. Number one, even um, some years ago, I dealt with the issue pertaining to guilt and and blame. Um, I lost someone, uh, uh, best friend, and also uh, a relative of mine. Um, uh, he actually, uh, on my birthday, we was, uh, he had told me he wanted to take me somewhere for my birthday and, and, um, I didn't get back with him that night. I, I just kept putting up. I said, well, you know, I just wait, I just wait, I just wait till the morning, I just wait till the morning. And then, um, he, uh, passed away that night and, for years, I blamed myself, you know, should have been there and, and all of that. And, uh, and then also, matter of fact, uh, you helped me. You actually was um, the person that I really just opened up to because for a while I, I kept that within. I didn't want to share it with, with anyone. But um, for years, I had dreams about him. And now I do understand more uh, when you're grieving and you lost someone that's so close to you. It is natural for us to be able to have dreams about them, but mm-hmm. there's a point, and I, I want you to uh, even explain also, there's a point where um, a lot of times the devil would try to use that image of that loved one that we're grieving over uh, the devil would try to use that as an opportunity to for us to entertain spirits. So uh, mm-hmm. if you don't mind, if you can uh, even bring it up, and I'll just um, share the rest of my story later on. But um, if you can uh, explain that, because I, I really think a lot of times we do things because we just don't know we really have not been taught or we have not had the mm-hmm. conversation. But uh, 
you know, a lot of time people they they thinking they are um, communicating with their deceased loved one. Even if you look at the movie, um, I remember I think it came out in 1990. There was a movie called Ghost, and the movie right. Ghost with uh, Whippy Goldberg and uh, Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. Um, it was for entertainment purposes pertaining to it being mm-hmm. on the movies. But a lot of times what we don't realize that is actually a demonic thing. So uh, mm-hmm. if you don't mind, please uh, 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 go on and uh, speak about that. Okay. In Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 31, and in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19, I'll read these from the English Standard Version of the Bible. In Leviticus 19 and 31, it says, Do not turn to mediums or necromanders. Do not seek them out, and so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Isaiah 8 and 19 says, And when they say to you, Inquire of the medium and the necromander who chirps and mutters, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? He he tells us here is that we should not inquire of them because what happens is we can unintentionally bring up evil spirits that can give us the imagery of our loved ones and therefore we're entertaining satanic spirits that we're now allowing within our homes, within our lives. And so we then become dependent on them. So as Isaiah was saying, he says, should not his people inquire of him? Should not inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Isaiah says, and I know a lot of us, when our loved ones leave us, we want to know if they're okay. So rather than trying to so focus on if they are okay, Isaiah saying God's people should inquire of him. And if we inquire of him, he's going to let us know through his word. His word have already told us where his people are when they leave. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So if they are present with God, then guess what? They okay. Now, if they are not saved, there ain't nothing you can do about that. You can pray all you want to. You can do whatever you want, all you want to. It's not going to change it because whatever happened at the point of death, if they say, they go be with the Lord. If they not say, they go to torment. And they wait to the resurrection of the great white throne judgment where their eternal place will be in the lake of fire, which burn with fire and brimstone. The believer in Christ will be resurrected with his new body, goes before the beam of the judgment seat of Christ to receive rewards. The words their crimes. So either way, your prayers are not going to change what has happened, where they are now will turn again. 
And so we have to ask God to give us strength, give us courage, help us to move forward with our life, give him thanks, give him praise for the time that he allowed us to have relationship with our loved one. We praise God for that. We honor their memories. Uh, we remember the good times that we had with them, the joy, the laughter they brought us in our lives. And this is how we move forward. Okay? So we should never inquire of what, where they are and what they are doing. So, no, and this is called familiar spirits. So we should never do that. Good, good. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I do want to say now, it now, especially for those who have recently lost loved ones, don't feel, mm-hmm. don't feel bad or defeated of what well, you know. I did have a dream about them. To be honest with you, this is natural. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we tell That's people, um, you know, when you. You know, God can speak to us through our dreams, uh, within our spirit mm-hmm. and everything. But also, mm-hmm. we may have dreams, soulish dreams. And with mm-hmm. those soulish dreams, a lot of those soulish dreams, they come from what we desire or what we have mm-hmm. just lost or sometimes what we have mm-hmm. just gained. You know, it don't have mm-hmm. to be just a death, but if you think about it, mm-hmm. you end up uh, buying a brand new car. Or you want a whole lot of money. You go to bed, you're going to be dreaming about you being on a yacht, you being on some mm-hmm. island, whatever. But it coincides with a celebration or an experience that you have had mm-hmm. in this physical realm. So if you mm-hmm. have recently lost someone, don't, like I said, it ain't out of the ordinary. It's not abnormal to have a dream Mm-mm. about your loved one and to be honest with you mm-hmm. like I said that's part of grief what minutes uh what brother mm-hmm. Landon was saying it's part of grief um if, if you don't mind real quick uh we're going to get ready to wrap up but I do have to bring this up because we're talking about uh death and everything uh I do want to um bring this up if you don't mind um mm-hmm. Those who are maybe dealing with uh, the loss of a loved one or whatever, um, and since we're talking about uh, grief, can you tell us the stages of grief and also is there a specific order pertaining to grief? Okay. One stage of grief is bargaining. What is that? Bargaining simply is you're telling God that, Lord, if you just do this, if you just just bring them back, I promise you I will live the rest of my life for you. Some kind of way you're going to bargain with God about the loss of your loved one, okay? That is one. The next one part, another part, is shock. It's when you get the news or you hear that you lost the loved one, okay? So your body will go into shock, okay? Uh, The next one is depression. This is the one we have to be very careful of. 
depression. I often tell families when I go in and I talk with them, I usually don't go in and talk to them. I don't even show up most times when the death happens unless there is a call for me to specifically be there. But I don't discuss or talk with them. I just just be there. And usually I go two weeks, three weeks after. And uh, and so what I do then is I go and uh, be with the family. And uh, so one thing I tell them when we get to talk about depression is I tell them I get somebody who they are real close to. And I ask them to sit by that person. And I said, now, I want you to agree with me that if you become so depressed that you are not doing what you're supposed to do, like getting out of bed, like eating, bathing, these type of things, then I'm going to ask you to give this person permission to take control of you. And when they hear that, they look at me and say, are you serious? And I don't smile. I said, yeah, because it's for your health. So it's important that uh, we uh, do this for loved ones and stuff, is to make sure we help them. Make sure now, let me say that there will be some depression because a definition of depression is sadness, okay? So there will be some sadness, okay, when there is the loss of a loved one. Now, let us also understand this, is that there is no order to the stages of grief, okay? That's why I always tell every family member to grieve however they need to grieve. And for nobody to criticize the other. Because our makeups are different. Now, one person may cry, and a person may cry. Don't you judge the person that doesn't cry and say, then you must then love them, or let other people come to you and say, well, they must then love them. Are you serious? No, crying is just not your makeup. Now, the one who's crying and always crying or may have a hard time stop crying, a lot of times, what do we say? We judge and say, oh, they, they got a lot of guilt. Are you serious? No, they are hurt in their relationship with the individual. Brings them, their heart is so ripped and torn apart. It feels though their heart's been ripped out of their bodies. And they wonder if they will ever their heart back or if their heart would ever be mended again. And so we have to understand that. And then don't let anybody tell you, to those that cry, don't let anybody tell you don't cry. What you need to do is have somebody who, 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 who will stand in for the family and protect the family at those times. That will sort of like be a person who has spoken and say, hey, let me tell you this here. Not today. We appreciate you coming, but not today. Oftentimes I tell people who are the ones close to the time. A lot of times when there has been a tragedy, when all of us listen at this counseling, 
when there has been a tragedy, don't come to the families and ask them what happened. See, you asking them to relive that all over again. No, they're trying to start their healing process by accepting what has happened. Just simply tell them not today. So if they call and say maybe tomorrow, you tell them not today. In other words, it's not any day we're going to talk about this because I don't want to relive it. I just want to deal with this situation. Would God help to try to help me to understand? And another thing, when you go to deal with somebody who has lost someone, don't go crying on their shoulders. Please don't do that. It just makes the situation worse for me. And that's why I say there needs to be somebody, some Christian mature enough to say, appreciate it, but let's not do that. We're not here for you. We're here for the family. We're here for the family. And so let us do that for the family. Let's just be there to comfort. The best thing that you can do for any family that's grieving is pray for them and just be there. The less said, the better it is. Back in hands, Brother Jim. Thank you so much for saying that. Thank you so much. We, we're going we're gonna to get ready to uh, wrap it up because I know uh, this topic right here, we can be on all year because what you were saying earlier, um, I, I had I had this, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, make it real short, uh, but you know, after uh, my sister was killed and then uh, we had the uh, trial a couple weeks ago, and then next thing you know, um, the verdict was not favorable towards us. And I made it to an establishment. I made it there, and within three minutes, three minutes, somebody came up to me who knew the situation. They came up to me and they said, "Hey, hey, 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 man. Well, you, you know, you, you, you can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want." And I'm saying, to myself, I look, and all I can say is, sometimes some people feel like they have to say something. Mm-hmm. But like you said, silence. Matter of fact, there's a song about a group I love dearly, the Four Seasons. And the song says, mm-hmm. silence is golden. That's right. Sometimes you don't you don't have to say anything, you know. Um, so I'm glad you brought that out. I'm so glad you brought that out. Um, I, I, I did receive something. Um, someone said um, someone named, well, I'll, I'll leave the name out, but uh, a dream of my deceased mother uh, daily is that normal. I feel uplifted after each dream she passed away two years ago. Um, I will say this. Two years ago, that's actually still relatively fresh. And Correct. That, that is normal. Um, but mm-hmm. but the key thing is, number one, just uh, continue to ask God to help you. And also, I will recommend this. Sometimes um, we don't – a lot of times we don't talk about this within our Christian church, but it's healthy and it's okay to receive Christian counseling. Christian grief counseling yeah. is so important yeah. Yeah. that it's a ministry. So by all means – um, if you don't have anyone, um, 
if you don't have anyone to uh, talk to or communicate with, please get in contact with me and I will, uh, you know, get in contact with um, uh, Brother Washington and make sure that, you know, uh, y'all can communicate because uh, this is something that, you know, we all, regardless, I don't care if you a regular lay member or if you a pastor or mm-hmm. minister or whatever, you know, um, hurt is hurt. And there's been mm-hmm. many, matter of fact, um, uh, I, I'll share this with you. Um, when my, when uh, we lost my sister, I told my daddy, I said, daddy, I said, you lost not just a daughter, but you lost a member of your church. And so it's mm-hmm. so many facets of those who are in ministry, you know, it's okay to admit, you know, that we hurt, we're human beings. We're not, we're not Superman. Mm-hmm. You know we're human beings. So um, with that being said, we would like for uh, uh, Brother Washington to have the closing remarks, and then also, if you don't mind, leading us into prayer. Okay. I just hope that uh, something that I said tonight was able to be a help to you and an encouragement to you, and has enlightened you because clarity is the thing that we seek. Uh, in this day and this time and in my ministry and your ministry uh, and at our church ministry as a whole is we want to bring clarity so that we have a better understanding. And uh, with that, I thank you, uh, Brother Jim, for having me on. And uh, uh, I thank each and every one of you who was in the listening audience tonight. Let us pray. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this hour and for the words that has gone forth to the glory and honor of your praise. And, Father, we pray that what was said tonight, Father, has brought glory and honor to your name. And, Lord, we pray that your people may be strengthened by what they heard tonight, Father. And, Father, we pray, Father, for for the world in which we're living in now and in the time we're living in where there's so much division and stuff. And, Lord, we need peace, Lord. And, Lord, we pray that... You touched our hearts. You just forgive. We ask you to remove all guilt uh, from us. And, Father, we pray that as we seek your forgiveness and you forgive us, that we learn to forgive ourselves, Father, no matter what it may be. Father, we thank you, Father, for the future that you have for us. And, Lord, we look forward to that time when we will all get together and be within your presence throughout eternity. In Jesus' name, we say amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. I thank y'all for uh, tuning in. I've, uh, this has been a great, great, great topic. And um, for those who have any questions or comments, feel free to get in contact with me, and I would gladly send over uh, all questions or even suggestions or comments to um, Brother Washington. I'm so honored for you to be here. And anytime you want to be on here, just just know that I have a open door policy for you because uh this is something that is needed and and for those who and for those who may not be who may be watching who may not really know understand this is something that uh god has us uh accessible for you know we are a family and when one hurt we all hurt and the thing is you know if you have it if you have the resources within your church good please utilize it if you don't have it by all means feel free to come and reach out and if need be you know we can uh be praying and also it might be an opportunity for us to expand his kingdom you know even broader and 
always yeah. remember this. You know, we trying to advance God's kingdom. This is this is not anybody trying to uh, showboat or trying to feel one better than the other. No, we all we <laughs> help us to one another. And even when the Bible would tell us iron sharpens iron, so the main thing of it is, and I tell y'all, those who know me, I believe in being transparent. You know, uh, uh, Brother Washington has been a great, great help and asset to my life. He helped me as not just as a uh, minister, but as a man. And I will say this real quick because I, uh, like I said, I like the, I like to be transparent. One of the things he chal- he challenges you. He he would challenge you. He would challenge you. Uh, years ago, years ago, I was talking to him. Like I said, this was years ago. I was talking to him about um, uh, dating. And, you know, he asked me, well, you know, uh, the young lady, is she saved? And I said, well, I can help her get saved. And he said, you don't know enough to get her saved. And he said that, and it kind of poked something within me because he was telling the truth. And the key thing, it made me realize, you know what? A lot of times, a lot of times we say, well, you know, we know God or we we, we have our own agenda when it comes down to our Christian walk. I just say it that way. And the main thing I realized that made me look at, you know what? I didn't trust God like I said I did. It really made me do a self evaluation and that's one of the things as a true teacher that as a teacher uh, of spiritual education you know would challenge you make you do a self-analysis make you look at self not at other people as self so with that that began to make me get on the journey to really be real with god and sincere with god and sincere with myself and so with that you know like i said i wanted to give you your flowers publicly and 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 uh and also even to encourage those who may be teachers, who may be educators, who may be pastors, or ministers, or whatever, you know, for us to challenge people, to let them know, hey, look here, we got to raise up the standard, you know, we got to raise up the morals, mm-hmm. the ethics, you know, and so I just wanted to tell you, I thank you and I appreciate you, uh, Doctor Washington, for everything that you've done, but also everything that you are. Well, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So with that being said, I thank each and every one for tuning in, and I hope and pray that you all have a, a great day. For those who uh, want to get in contact with me, you can contact me at um, on Facebook, Brother Prater, B-R-O-T-H-E-R, Prater, P-S and Paul, R-A-T-S and Tom, E-R, or you can go to my website at brotherprater.com. So I thank you all for watching and tuning in. Once again, thank you, uh, Ella Washington, and I pray that you all have a safe, blessed week. God bless you, and good night. Good night. Okay. All right.